Well, good morning to you all. It's a real pleasure to be here uh, today with you, and uh, as well as next week, as Pastor Phil was saying. And I really don't feel adequate to share on this topic of financial stewardship, as I have much to learn myself, but I'll share a little bit of my personal journey uh, a little bit later on, but I truly want us all to hear God's voice and discover what He has for us to say. Now, please allow me to be God's mouthpiece today, and, and let's look at the Scriptures to see what He has to say. In particular, I've been asking myself the last couple of years, how can I best implement a kingdom view of what a wise steward is for all the resources that God has lent me? How can I best return back to the Lord the right portion of our resources to honor Him? Now, Jesus spoke on this topic more than any other topic while He was on earth. Why is that? I think one of the reasons is because it is one of Satan's quickest and most effective forms of temptation to lure us away from the joyful obedience and abundant Christian living. Before we go any further, would you bow your heads with me and and pray and give this time to the Lord? Father, please prepare our hearts for this morning. Would you guide our thoughts to know your desires for our abundant life? And may my words be only from you. I pray that if we have had any negative personal experience, that you completely wipe that out from us and, and not prevent that from helping us understand your word. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Can I invite the ushers to come forward now, please? We're going to do something a little bit different today, and we're going to give you a gift. Now, if you haven't received your bulletin yet, I'd like you to raise your hand because we have minted, ex- printed extras. Sorry about that. Um, now, some of you had them, some of you don't, but every person needs a copy, so just raise your hand there. And I noticed one generous mom over here gave her daughter one, and they ran off to church, so you're going to need another dollar bill. And no, Phil, you can't take five copies, so I apologize. <laughs> Now, these are special sermon notes as well, so grab a pen you're going to need that with and follow along, and I I filled in uh, uh, some sentences for you to fill in the gaps, and uh, we're going to just move forward together. Now, while they're doing that, I'm going to preface this morning by acknowledging that there might be three groups of us here today. Uh, The first group might be brand new to your faith and your walk with the Lord, and, and much of this teaching might be really new for you. You might be surprised at what Scripture says. And uh, let's journey together patiently yet purposefully. Others of us might be longtime Christians and and, uh, faith practicers, and, and we may be regularly and faithfully giving back to the Lord, but we still, too, have some room for growth and could honor God more fully. And finally, the third group might be kind of jaded about this topic. You may have heard of a televangelist that misused their position and and God's resources in some way or or some sort of bad experience. And and whatever the reason you may have and, and you feel a little resistant to this topic, you know those situations are unfortunate. But we must go back to Scripture and and search it thoroughly to know what God still intends for us in our lives. For each of us, regardless of where we come from today. What I'm about to say next is very important, that this message is between you and the Lord, okay? 
Many of you have been to church and have heard the worship leader or the pastor say, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward and take up our tithes and offerings. But you may have lots of questions about that. Where, where did that practice come from? What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? The Old Testament teaches about tithing, but based on the New Testament, aren't we free to give whatever we like? So over the next two weeks, we're going to search God's Word to find answers to those and other questions. So let's dig in deep together. Would you please turn with me in your Bibles to our main passage today, and that's Malachi 3. Malachi 3. And while you're turning there, we need to first remind ourselves that the Bible is the authoritative and timeless scriptures when it comes to our personal financial situation. It is also a tool and a roadmap to give us the best and clearest principles that we need in our decision-making processes about money. Now, here we have the prophet of Malachi proclaiming God's word to the children of Israel many generations after the Ten Commandments were given. Now, this passage is a monologue where Malachi is writing down what the Lord is speaking, and God speaks for both his side of the conversation as well as the children of Israel. So let's jump in at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return to you? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You've said harsh things against me, says the Lord Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements? Wow, what an interesting passage. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to make sure that we know what the tithe is and and where it came from. The tithe simply means a tenth or 10%. The history of tithes and offerings actually started back in Genesis chapter 4, where Cain and Abel brought their first fruits as gifts to the Lord. But tithing became much more clear when Moses led the children out of Israel into the Egypt, into the Promised Land. And they had conquered much of the surrounding territory. And, and each of the 12 tribes were given their own land to live and rest on and work. Now, all the tribes received land except for one. And help me out, which tribe was that? The Levites. They did not receive any land. Their job was to work as priests and scribes and teachers of the law. Basically, they were working as the full-time spiritual shepherds and and leaders in ministry. Whereas the rest of the 11 tribes, they were there to work the land and support the Levites. 
So let's read Numbers 18, 20 and 21 as well. The Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in the land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work that they do while serving at the tent of meeting. It's interesting, later on in verse 25, it says that the Levites were to tithe out of their portion as well. So a tithe means a tenth, and that's where we as evangelical Christians get that benchmark or that that baseline, that commonly practicing starting point of giving back to the Lord 10% of our earnings. The tithe was also really designed to return from our hearts to the Lord and ensure we keep the local church, local spiritual leadership going. The prophet Malachi writes that the Lord is clearly upset at his people for straying from the personal practice of returning the tithe back to him. In verse 7, it says, return to me. In verse 8, let's look at that again. It said, will a man rob God? My question is, why were they robbing God? Why were they not bringing in the, the full tithe? First, they clearly did not see that the provisions that they did have were directly from the Lord. They did not acknowledge that God owns it all. He's the source of our material possessions, and they're just on loan for us for a season. We are simply God's stewards of His resources. This is a massive countercultural shift that you and I must understand in order to really clearly cue in on what God's kingdom economy is all about. Whereby the world thinks that we earn everything and we own everything and we can spend it however we like. The book of James says, every good and perfect gift is from our Heavenly Father. I was filing some papers couple years back, and I came across a stack of pay stubs from my first year of employment. Back then, our firm was called Russell and & Associates, and, and here, up on the screen, I don't know if you can see that, but I circled three different months' worth of commission amounts that I earned, 300, 600, and 160. Now, I had a wife and two kids, still have the same wife and two kids, but My, uh, my wife Kathleen did not work outside the home, and, and you can imagine these monthly amounts would be quite a stretch to live off of. And then I came across my big one for the year, a whopping no, pardon me, $2,100. I took a look at that note that I had read, and I had written down on that day, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fast forward eight years. And I was filing these back in 2011, and I stumbled across this again, a $2,100 big check, and I considered what I had been earning in the recent months, and I was overcome first with conviction for my recent lack of gratitude relative to only a few years ago. I got on my knees, and I asked the Lord to forgive me for not acknowledging that He was the provider still and not as a result of my hard work. He did not make me feel guilty for where he has placed me today, but he showed me that it's absolutely critical that I consider everything I earn to be his money and from him. He also said to me that I'm first called to thank him for all our resources, but then also to use them specifically for his purposes. 
I shared that with my wife that day, and, and since then, every month, we've been writing, thank you, Lord, on every single monthly statement, regardless of the amount. The second reason why they were robbing God was that the Israelites were discontent with what they did have. They were keeping more than what they should have and using it on themselves. John the Baptist was pretty clear to the soldiers. He said, be content with your pay in Luke 3. You see, God desires his children to experience full and authentic contentment. Being content. Not desiring more. Not yearning after the next best or newest It's also not feeling bad when you say no and can't have something. When I was a young boy, we knew a family in our church, and they lived in a very unique home. It was uh, an old caboose, and I have a picture of it here. That's Paul. As a kid, I thought that was kind of cool, living in a train clubhouse. But as I look back, our, our Sunday lunches were pretty cramped in that place, our family of five and their family of four. And their caboose was so small, the kids had to sleep in the hallway in makeshift bunk beds. And then we had the small kitchen, and, and then their living room was their bedroom, and they slept on a high-to-bed couch every night. Paul tells me it was supposed to be for two to three years, and it ended up being 15. I'll never forget. <laughs> never forget them. Paul and Sue treated us so special. And they shared what they had. They didn't have much, but they showed me a spirit of contentment that has marked my mind for over 30 years. They shared out of their small wealth, out of their deep sense of gratitude. My friends, contentment was something the Lord really worked on me hard coming up to this sermon. In fact, three months ago, As I was walking into this parking lot for a a service, the Lord really led me to a time of reflection. And the conviction was so real, I could not have mistaken it for the Lord's voice. I had to respond. I had to sit down, and I took out the bulletin. It was actually this bulletin. And I started writing, and, and I'll read a little excerpt from it. It says, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for wanting Wanting more, bigger, better, newer, faster, funner, cooler. Do what you need to do to humble me. I'm yours, and I only desire to do, be, and say what you desire. Interestingly enough, a month later I was chatting with a good friend of mine about life and giving and, and struggling from week to week and And they said in their frustration, what are we doing wrong? Now, they're a nice family with a modest income and a home, a couple of cars, and and they don't live a life that anybody would consider lavish or, or struggling. But before I thought about what I should say or what I shouldn't say, this is what came out of my mouth. I said, you lack one thing, and that's contentment. I said, you have enough. In fact, you have plenty, but you lack contentment. My friends, why is this so? It's because we never think we have enough. We always think that we need just a little bit more. And it's our human nature coupled with our strong cultural influence 
we must be content with what God has chosen to give us. Hebrews 13 can't say it any more plainly. Be content with the things that you have. Well, let's move on. If you're following along in your sermon notes, I'm about halfway through there. Perhaps like sometimes, the children of Israel had been struggling to believe they could afford to return some of their tithes back to the Lord, let alone the full tithe that Scripture teaches. Like the Israelites, we may have made some of these comments in the past or thought them. If I give, I won't have enough to pay the bills and live off of. Or I forgot my offering today, uh, I'll, I'll double up next week, maybe. I don't like how the church spends my money. My money, maybe. I give to other ministries or good causes. I give what I want, but I think 10% is too much. 20 bucks is a lot, you know. (laughs) We have a lot of expenses this month, and I'm not sure if we're going to have enough left over to get to my tithe. The Lord will understand. You know, my friends, may I humbly remind us that we live in North America in the 21st century, and we are in the wealthiest period and in one of the richest countries since Adam. And we are incredibly wealthy, even if we are one of the poorest living here in town. Andy Stanley wrote a great book called How to Be Rich. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. In it, he shared about our financial position in this world and and how we of all people have no excuse to avoid giving faithfully. In fact, we live in the top 10% and most of us in the top 4% of wealth compared to today's world. He quotes a report that that says that if my family brings in $26,000 a year, you can see it up here, I'm in the top 10% of the world's income earners. If my family earns $48,000 or more, we're in the top 1%. That's family income. Now, for much uh, much of this information here, these stats kind of bug us. Because we don't often feel wealthy. You see, our feeling of being rich is determined by who we compare ourselves to. Now, that's a scary game as there will always be someone more wealthy than you and I. Also in a recent Gallup poll, they they asked people who are making $30,000 a year, said, what would it take for you to to make a certain level so that you would feel rich or feel wealthy? And on average, they said $60,000 a year. And then they went to the $50,000 income bracket and they said, what about you guys? And they said, "Uh, probably about $100,000. That's when I would feel like I could let my hair down and, and feel wealthy. And in $100,000, you can probably guess it, about $200,000 to $250,000 that they would need to feel wealthy. At every income bracket, although they needed double what they currently made, it doesn't matter. We're all tempted to feel like we need to pursue the more. The issue, my friends, is this. Comparison is the seed to discontentment. Comparison is the seed to discontentment. Our personal perspective on contentedness has nothing to do with, we, or pardon me, has to do with what we believe our margin of excess 
is for us to live comfortably and, and without worry. Without worry, in this case, is not needing to fully trust God. You see, whether or not you and I feel wealthy is completely irrelevant to this discussion. The question is whether we correctly understand God's instructions and believe that He desires our contentedness. Now, friends, we're all aware that some of us earn a lot less than even what was on that chart. And, and we must be sensitive, just as God is sensitive, to people who live in those difficult circumstances. And as I mentioned at the beginning, your giving practices are between you and the Lord. I must also mention that, that being wealthy is, is not a bad state or a wrong state to be in. Money itself is not morally wrong. It's neutral. This is confirmed many times in Scripture, in, in Ecclesiastes and, and the parable of the talents. But having more resources does bring much more significant challenges and responsibilities to those with more. I'm going to ask everyone to pull out their dollar bill now, if you would, please. I realize that it's American, but have you ever tried to paperclip a loony? That didn't work. And, and then I tried a toonie, and that was even worse. And then I was doing $5 bills, and I was doing the math. Five, four services, a thousand. Okay, that's not going to work. So um, we ended up with an American dollar. Now, this is a special dollar bill, and I'm going to ask you to put this in your most used Bible, and that's why you needed another one, my friend over there. It will serve as a regular reminder to give back to the Lord His portion every week. This is my gift to you. You can't spend it, and for certain, you can't put it in today's offering plate. That'll really mess up the books with the exchange thing. But you can tithe on it if you'd like. I was kidding. That was one of my better jokes. Come on, help me out here. (laughs) As we look at this further, actually I'm going to pull it out again. There is a massive message for us on the back. Now, just look at the back there for a moment. See if you can find it. And on the count of three, I'd like us all to say that phrase together. One, two, three. Now that was okay, but I'd like to... Make sure that the world hears you on that and your testimony. With full conviction, let's try it again. One, two, three. Do you? Do you? Do I? Will your tax return this year reflect that statement as you calculate your giving totals and your income totals? Or do you and I trust the actual dollar itself to get us through life? Now here's the crux of today's message. Comparison leads us to discontentment, which drags us to disobedience and selfishness. Comparison, discontentment, disobedience. Whereas once we acknowledge that the source of our resources comes from Our Heavenly Father, His perfect plan for us is this, to live in contentment, which leads us to gratitude, and gratitude to obedience, and obedience to blessings. Blessings, including the peace, rest, and joy of living in His will. 
contentment and gratitude, obedience, blessings. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10 is a very important passage. It says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and discussion. Let's look at the text again. Malachi 3.10 says this, test me. Test me in this. This is the only time in the entire Bible that God directs us to challenge him using this language. Test me. If you don't have that underline in your Bible right now, it's a great time to underline those two words. And if you're working on your iPhone, I know that there's a way, but it underlines a whole verse, and that's okay too. You can, you can imagine the Lord saying this. You think it was like this? Well, you can test me on this, and maybe something will happen. Or what about this? Come on, test me. Test me, try me, hit me here, see if I may hit you back. No, it was like this. Test me, have faith in me. See if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and bless you. God is begging, he's pleading, he's urging you, have faith in me, please. You see, my friends, what happens in this promise is that the Lord has two types of blessings, tangible and intangible. And the first is a tangible or, or financial return that Scripture clearly lays out for us in this passage and many others, in Proverbs as well. That could simply be your food, clothing, and shelter for tomorrow and next week. It could be an increase or, or a large increase as well. But know this, it comes from the Lord. Now, as a side note, I do not believe in the concept of prosperity gospel, where every time, um, we don't have to talk about this today, but um, do not mock God. He's not a slot machine that you pull, and every time you hit triple seven, each time you give back to Him. He knows your true motives and your heart's position when you give. So don't play with that mentality, I'll give to get more. Okay. The second blessing is intangible. A God-given state of rest and contentment leading to the gratitude state of your soul. And I know that all of us would give up everything we had to live in the purest position of contentment. Why? Because you and I would never long for more. You would be purely grateful for whatever you have and you would have no thoughts of jealousy or want, or feelings of lack. Just the fine joy of knowing our Savior. The often quoted Psalm 23, verse 1 says what? Say it with me, church. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By returning to the Lord his portion, you live out that testimony. You show God, you show your spouse, you show your kids and your accountant that you live by the Bible's teaching and that you have deep faith in God. 
and that he'll get you to next month and next year. No matter what you earn, $10 an hour or $10 million a year. It shows God that you recognize that it's from his hand and that he lent you these resources for a time. It has nothing to do with what you did. Not by the sweat of your brow or by the use of your mind. It's from his hand fully and only. So what are you going to do about that? Interestingly enough, I looked at the, uh, the 5, the 10, the 20, and, and the 50 as well. And on the back, they all said the same thing. In God we trust. I was going to do 100, but I ran out of money. <laughs> do we really trust Him no matter what we earn is the point here. They all say the same thing. Twelve years ago, Kathleen and I went to visit our first financial advisor And after reviewing our financial situation, this is what he said. If you'd stop giving away so much, you could really save a lot more and be better off. We were practicing tithing at the time. I said, sir, I don't think you understand how this all works. And and we gently walked him through why we give back to the Lord. But he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. He didn't keep us as clients very long. I don't think we were a good fit. Probably because we had $38 in our RSP and he couldn't make any money off that, I think. (laughs) Let's read verse 16. Now this is after the monologue is done. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. I love this verse. You see, those that didn't fear the Lord... They're gone. They did not stick around. But those that did fear him, they talked amongst themselves. And they said, we have to make changes. And the cool thing about your heavenly father and my heavenly father, oh friends, is that he allows us to return to him after a season of being away. You know, we actually don't talk about this topic enough amongst ourselves at all. Money, giving, tithes, offerings cannot and should not be a taboo subject amongst our friends, our families, our home group, our spouses. Oh, just one spouse, sorry. (laughs) Now, we don't want to talk in comparison or judgment, but like the listeners of Malachi, we must encourage each other and challenge each other and pray for each other and then leave it to each other between us and the Lord. I am trusting that now is the time for our church, this church right here, for the Lord to transform us. It's time to invoke change in this area in our lives, all for the glory of God. And I would like to pray a blessing over you and your families today. Would would you stand together with me, please? Bow your heads and pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for calling us your children. Lord, you want to bless us and you want to throw open those floodgates of blessings so that we will not have room enough. And, And Lord, we pray specifically for your special blessing on your people today, that they would always and fully honor you with their resources. Lord, that you would guard their hearts from jealousy and discontent, that you would bless them and that they would use their resources wisely their entire lifetime. 
that they would be a testimony to their families and communities so that all the nations will call us blessed, Lord. We pray that they would fear you mightily and serve you wholeheartedly with all of their wealth, just like the descendants of Jacob, and they would be your treasured possessions. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat for a moment. We've got a few more things yet. I'd like you to take a pen out and your dollar bill, and I'd like you to write something on it. And and I know it's a federal offense to deface currency, but we're out of the country, so it should be okay. I'd like you to write this down on the backside, somewhere near in God we trust. Write this passage down. Malachi 3, 8 to 18. And the words, test me. Test me. Here's my request of you today. Before you tuck this permanently in your Bible, and at the next mealtime today or tomorrow or sometime this week, talk about this message with your family. Talk about it with your friends and, and your care groups. And the Lord listens, Malachi says. Parents and grandparents, talk to your children and, and grandkids about your experiences in life and, and use this time as a teaching moment. Tell your stories of, of God's blessings and difficult times that you needed faith. Kids, ask questions. And they're actually talking about this a little bit in their service as well. Parents, I'd like you to be real and honest. Both the good and the bad. Looking back, you know, our seniors can attest to this. This younger generation has largely been spared from the need to desperately rely on the Lord 100%. And we need to take back this spiritual discipline of trust and giving, as without it, our church is one quick generation away from extinction. Then in your personal time this week, take the back side of the bulletin and pray over it and fill it out and spend some time with the Lord and wrestle with this topic. It is a declaration that you just don't show up for church, but you listen to the Father's heart and you have a desire to grow. Friends, thank you. Uh, We're going to come to the completion of part one in a moment, but we've moved from robbing God and being discontent to acknowledging that God has lent us everything that we've previously called ours. We've moved from inaction to action of obedience by regularly practicing our spiritual act of worship with our first fruit tithes. Testing God and trusting Him and in faith that will result in peace, rest, and joy. Part two next week. We're going to move from obligation and sporadic giving and, and sometimes a boring ritual to a cheerful, spontaneous offerings and, and learning about joyful generosity. It's going to be a great time, and I I trust you'll come back. And if you don't, I'm sure I'll never get invited back again. So, Today's message, and this is very important, today's message is not part of any fundraiser. It has been a faith raiser. It has been a contentment raiser, an obedience raiser. 
designed to make permanent changes for our lifetime. You've all heard that God wants to open the floodgates of of heaven, that we're supposed to test God and and see what he will do, and that we're to to live opposite to the world and be 100% content with what he's been giving us. Knowing all that, here's what we're going to do. For the next three months, and I have Pastor Phil's permission and support on this, we're going to invite you as an entire congregation, as brothers and sisters, to do something different yet amazing. For the next three months, when whoever stands at the front announces that it's time to, for the ushers to come forward and collect our tithes and offerings, we're all at the same time going to rise to our feet, stand up, clap our hands, cheer, and praise the Lord in loud worship because we are no longer a slave to our money. Thank you. That was the prelude. You're not quite ready yet. We need to see God as our faithful provider, and we just can't wait to celebrate God's blessings to us. We, as a body of Christ, are so grateful for God's provisions and so desiring to give back to the Lord a portion of what He has given to us and experience such, experiencing such new heights of joy and contentment. Now, for some of us, this might be a small stretch. But I saw on Monday how we as Canadians love junior hockey and we love the gold. And we celebrated pretty big back then. How much more to celebrate God's blessings here with our brothers and sisters. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And then we're going to go for it. Imagine... Imagine for a moment Willow Park becoming known as a church that loves God so much and absolutely loves to return to Him out of our income and wealth that such a testimony will honor God and we can change this often negative topic of, of church and money into one that simply glorifies God and our Savior every time we're given an opportunity to give. This celebration truthfully, has nothing to do with the actual amount or percent that we give, but has everything to do with your and my heart attitude. Now, this may take a bit of practice, but are you with me, church? Okay. Here we go. Ushers, will you please come forward to collect our morning's tithes and offerings? Now, that, that was good. Ushers, I'm going to have you go back one more time, okay? That, that was a B plus. Go ahead, have a seat. This is a little bit more mechanical today, but I'm sure after today, we're going to get a great hang of this. All right. Ushers, will you please come forward for our tithes and offerings? <laughs> crowd goes wild. We will be taking our tithes and offerings now. Thank you. And while they're taking the offering, we're going to sing an awesome hymn. And I'd love you to sing with your whole heart in this. It's going to be great is thy faithfulness. And sing it out like you've never sung it before. Because God has been so faithful. 
You have no idea what that view is to look at you as a body worshiping and giving and praising God. It's sweet. Friends, you, you don't need to feel guilty about where you've been in the past with your giving practices because that guilt would be from Satan and, and he's trying his best to make you, you and I feel bad. But as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and me and pulls us closer to the heart of Christ, we need to change and move forward somehow. Is it making a new commitment and being fully content? Is it starting to become obedient in giving? If you're not practicing tithing, let's do that. Let's start that. Wherever, 2, 5, 8%, doesn't matter. Test the Lord. Maybe you haven't been bringing the full tithe in, and you need to test the Lord. And maybe you've been amazing, wonderful, regular givers for so many years. Is it time for you to give another portion and increase that and test the Lord? Perhaps you've been jaded by some bad experiences. And, and today is a day that you need to wrestle with God on those and forgive and forget and, and finally overcome so that you can live in freedom and obedience. I've given you a few things on the back of your bulletin to work through this, this week. Please take, take some time to do that and go through it. I'm going to invite anybody to come forward too as well. And, and if you want to do some business with God, you go right ahead. We're going to be here to pray for you. And those floodgates of blessings, let's have that dam burst here at Willow Park Church. God bless you. We'll see you next week and bring your Bible and your dollar back. We're going to need it. Thanks.